you can fly 14 to 20 hours in a plane and wish the flight was longer. Like to have that as a yes. concept to me is mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, the only people in the plane who are sad when they hear, uh, "Hey, we're you know starting our descent." No, <laughs> like, <laughs> please oh. go around again. <laughs> Welcome to Takeoff, a podcast by 10x Travel. I'm your host Bryce Conway, and today on the show we've got Travis and our first ever guest to the podcast, Levon Edwards. I can't tell you how excited I am to finally be able to record this interview with Levon. I reached out to him immediately after seeing his incredible post in our Facebook group that shared his story from finding points and miles to booking an absolutely incredible trip to Tokyo with his wife, which featured first-class flights on A&A, nights in five-star hotels, and some of the coolest travel photos you'll see all year, including one of Levon dressed in a Pikachu outfit that made me laugh out loud. Levon's story is inspiring to anyone in points and miles, including those of us who've been doing this for a while. Myself and Travis, everyone on staff. And today I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to talk to Levon as he shares his story with all of you, our loyal listeners. So, first and foremost, Levon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. It's literally a pleasure to be here. So, uh, I wanted to start out by just getting to know Levon. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I don't know. I guess it, it, this would be almost like your, your dating profile, if you will. Look kind of like, who's Levon? All right. Well, I'm 34 years old. I'll be turning 35 in just uh, literally two months exactly to the day almost. I'm a physical therapist assistant. I've been working as a, as a PTA for about six years, almost six years now. I work almost exclusively in nursing homes. And just due to how everything has just been transpiring, I've been slowly transitioning over to being a full-time content creator in the, the travel industry, just taking you know my knowledge of points and miles and using it to create content and travel the world at a greatly, a greatly reduced cost. So it's 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 been fun. I grew up in Queens. I lived in Queens for pretty much most of my life. And when I was going to college, I moved to Springfield, Massachusetts, where my father lived to go to school, and that's where I picked up my degrees to become a physical therapist. And I moved back to New York. And it's been about, you know, obviously five to six years since I've graduated and I've been practicing as a physical therapist. So that's pretty much the skinny of it. Awesome. What, uh, what sorts of things do you, do you do for fun or hobbies you know, when you're not doing points and miles or, or work? Well, I'm pretty much always doing points and miles. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. That's what I say too. <laughs> no, but um, I, I bike ride. I love to go walking with my wife, with my friends, especially since we've been traveling more and really started getting into some hiking. That has like pushed, you know, my love and desire to like walk and get out in nature even more. And I also, I'm a big foodie. So, you know, I like to go out to restaurants with my wife and different friends and just hang out and try new foods. Those are the things I I'm, enjoy the most. I've got to tell you, Levon. First of all, you sound like the best travel companion ever, like getting done with a long flight, just needing to stretch. I'm probably really generalizing physical therapy like everyone does, but I can't think of a better person to to travel with. <laughs> no, li- uh, no, sorry to interrupt, but literally like I went to on a big family trip to Jamaica with my family and I literally had the whole group of us in a circle. We were stretching, warming up, and we did that every morning. The whole week we were there, we all did it together as a family and stretched before breakfast every morning. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and Travis would also describe himself as a foodie here. So to, to quickly zoom in on that, Levon, do you have any particular like types of food or restaurants that you enjoy or like particularly want to talk about? 
well, I love Peruvian food. I've been to a couple of Peruvian restaurants in New York, but then I went to Denver with my wife uh, about a year and a half ago, and we went to this really great Peruvian restaurant, which unfortunately has since closed, but that really got me like, so we then started seeking out more and more Peruvian restaurants, and we're actually going to go to Peru uh, next month. So I can't wait to go to Lima and actually get to try Peruvian food from actual Peruvians. So that'll be really exciting. Fantastic. And I can't wait to hear about that trip. We're going to get to that and, and other trips you've done a little bit later here in the episode. But I want to kind of transition into your entry into points and miles. You know, of course, you're, you're a bit of a legend now around the Facebook group. In fact, I was looking through some of our like analytics as group managers. And I think that your posts that, that kind of started all of this might have been the most viral post that we have had in the Facebook group in at least a year in terms of the number of people engaging with it, the visibility that it got across the group. It was kind of just like an incredible story, inspirational to everyone, as I mentioned. But kind of going back to the origin, do you remember like the, the very first contact that you had with the, the points and miles hobby and, and how it kind of all got started? I remember it so vividly that sometimes I feel like, am I making it up? But I... <laughs> I, I had um I was in the middle of repairing my credit and I went and like what I would do at night when it would be two o'clock in the morning and I would just be just burning through ebooks, just picking up different things on how I can repair my credit and what does this mean and just how to remove derogatory information and what kind of accounts to open. And I stumbled across an ad that was advertising the, your free course. And so I'm like, okay, and I think it was it was marketed as, you know, one, you could repair your credit and be able to travel for free. So I'm like, all right, well, this is a no-brainer. I'm already trying to repair my credit. The advice seemed really sound and in line, you know, with what I had been reading elsewhere. And I picked up a couple new pointers also. But I said, let me see what they have to say about this free travel. And I ran through the course and it was just like my mind was just being opened. I was like, okay. So I can actually get to travel and do a little bit more travel than I had been because up until that point, I may have done, I was doing maybe a trip a year or every other year um, at that point. And I was like, okay, so maybe now I could actually travel every year. So that is how I got introduced to Points and Miles. Did you ever have the feeling or the sense of this has got to be too good to be true? I never really got that because I had already been doing bank bonuses, something that I, I've been noticing been coming up a lot more in the Facebook group. And to me, this just seemed like the natural progression. Like I had already opened up a couple of checking accounts to just kind of bringing a little bit more income because at that point I was a pretty broke college student trying to make his way in the world. And I'd already received the bank bonuses. So I'm like, okay, this is just a natural progression. Instead of, you know, checking accounts, which pretty much anybody could do, now you're looking at opening up, you know, credit accounts, which is going to require a little bit more scrutiny, uh, a credit score and things of that nature. This is just like the next natural progression. So it didn't it wasn't strange to me at all. Yeah, you, you like already had proof of concept from the, the bank. Exactly. Bonuses. I do love to you mentioned that you were a broke college student when you kind of came into this. That's how 10x really started. I was a broke college student searching many of the same things that you mentioned you were searching. So apparently note to self. Broke college student is a great time to find people to enter points and miles. <laughs> I I think I was within like two years of finishing college, just that like post-college grad, slightly less broke, but still not not quite there. 
Levon, did you tell anyone else about like points and miles, 10x travel, what you found? And if so, what were their reactions to it? So I definitely told my wife, told my wife first, because if I was going to be, we're my girlfriend at the time, but if I was going to be traveling, you know, she was going to be by my side. So I definitely told her about it and she was, you know, interested. And I told a couple of my other friends and they all were interested, but it really wasn't until, you know, people, they saw me taking multiple trips that they're like, okay, well, this is, this isn't just, you know, a fad. This is, this is real. This is something that, you know, they could take advantage of as well. Sounds like your, your friend group is uh, adopted to the concepts a little faster than mine and probably most others that we encounter. Seems like usually one of the first barriers people reach is they, they tell someone else about what they found. And then those other people kind of actively try to be like, no, that's a cult or like, it sounds like a scam or an MLM or something. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. It sounds like there's generally supportive friends around you when you, when you first found this hobby. It did take a while though, because I'm like, a sh- I share. If there's something good, I share it. If there's something bad, I share it. I share my experience. And I was telling my friends and, you know, people that were around me, like, hey, like, you know, you guys should be opening up a card here or there. I've been telling people about it for years. It really wasn't until this is year four. It wasn't, really wasn't until this year, really, that like my friends really started like trying to adopt it and also participate. And there are a lot of my friends who still, unfortunately, don't participate uh, in points of miles. I think you're doing a better job of selling your friends than mine. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to all my friends listening, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as we like to say to, to the skeptical friends, I guess more award space for the rest of us, right? <laughs> so we'll take it. Uh, do you remember any barriers that you faced kind of in those early days of starting to learn the hobby and, and how you overcame them? Well, I mean, the, the first major barrier was, was definitely the credit score. I don't remember exactly where my credit score was, but I was definitely in the range of about 650, definitely no higher than 675. So I wasn't able to be approved for anything. It wasn't until maybe about a year after that I even got Chase Sapphire Preferred. So I, I really had the long game in terms of being able to, to accrue um, points and open up different cards. So that was my real first big barrier. Aside from that, I would say not really knowing how to properly redeem flights was a little bit of a barrier. But for the most part, it was just the credit score for me. Gotcha. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I, I myself still feel like not knowing how to redeem flights is a bit of a barrier to me. And when I say that, uh, usually that scares people like, wait, someone's got to know this, but I don't, I don't know that that ever goes away. So you mentioned that you got like a Chase Sapphire Preferred and you were working on your credit score kind of early. Can you walk us through some of the other early initial steps that you took in the hobby, other cards that you might've jumped on early trips you were hoping to do or goals with points and miles? What was kind of the, you know, one pager sheet of like, this is what I want to do right off the bat. Well, like plan wise, I didn't really have any plans. I was just a wide open book. Up until that point, I really had only been on maybe four different vacations. So I was just ready to just travel and just see wherever that takes me. But some of the early things that I did in order to to get my credit on track and then to start being able to get into the travel reward cards, I opened up uh, a secured credit card with Capital One. So, you know, that gave me a little bit more, you know, helped me with my utilization, payment history, started building some positive history there. After I had that for a couple of months, I applied for a Chase Freedom. And that was a big deal for me, too, to even be approved for another Chase card, because when I had ruined my credit in, in college, I actually had a Chase card closed. 
So I, I, it took me a while wow. just to even have the courage to apply again because I'm like, aren't they just going to deny me? Like, but you know, I, I had a card with them for a couple of months, and then I finally, it's like a year later, then I applied for Chase Sapphire Preferred, and once I saw I was able to get that, that's when like, okay, now I'm my credit has been repaired, I'm established, I can go out and apply for anything pretty much. Gotcha. You and you followed that kind of strategy and script to a T. So awesome job kind of getting off the ground there. That's a that's something that surprisingly a lot of folks don't do nearly as smoothly or as well as you did. So in that kind of early period of getting started in the hobby, or really at any point since then, did you have any kind of aha moments like, oh, I learned this and it, like that changed everything? Or like, if I had known this earlier, that would have made things so much easier. Do you, do you remember anything that comes to mind like that? For sure. I have three main ones that like really come to mind. I look at them as like pivot points where like, okay, once I reached that point and kind of got enlightened, then I like totally changed direction and w- was able to, to go forward a little bit better. So the first main one that I can remember was just learning that I, I shouldn't use a travel portal, that I should be transferring my points out and I would get a lot more value. So that was extremely, extremely eye-opening uh, for me because for Literally, the first trip that I booked, not through the travel portal, was actually the first class flight to Japan. Up until then, I was booking Ritz-Carlton stays in the portal with Amex points. And I did a trip to Turks and Caicos you know, through the portal. I did a couple um, Hilton stays through the portal. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is great. Like, I'm traveling. It's, it's free. It's amazing. But then... I'm realizing I'm seeing more posts in the group, how people are able to do these really outlandish trips and they have just as much points as I have. So I'm like, so that's when that really sent me down the rabbit hole of let me hold off for a minute and figure out how I can better utilize my points. And that's how I just, I stopped, I stopped booking any trips. I'm like, I'm going to wait until I can find a really great trip and then just spend a boatload of points and see what just see what really all these travel benefits are to kind of get an experience like I was seeing everybody else take. Yeah, I I often kind of describe points and miles as like a puzzle. You know, you've got when you're learning, you've got all of these pieces laid out in front of you and you're putting together. I mean, I don't know, maybe there are some people who don't do a puzzle this way, but you start with the edge pieces and you're slowly seeing the picture come together and eventually it gets to a point where you can see the whole picture, even though you still have some missing pieces, even some missing chunks in places, like you start to really see the whole picture come together. And it's this kind of continuous learning process where it can feel like I'm not getting it. I'm not seeing it, but eventually you reach some critical tipping point and all of a sudden the picture comes to life. Also, once again, major props to you, Levon, for going from, I, hey, I think I need to learn how to do like transfers and like direct bookings with airlines to having your first one be like one of the most high end <laughs> complex ones you can do, right? You did a partner booking using miles from an international carrier and you had to search for WordSpace, presumably on a site other than either of those two airlines that I mentioned. So you went straight from like, wait, what is this to uh, doing one of the more complicated ones out there. So awesome work with that. Now, you mentioned three aha moments. The first one, you know, you just mentioned about transferring points, having more value in the portal. Do you remember what the other two were? So the other two ones was the first time that I actually even used my lounge access. I had 
a priority pass or me and my wife, we had our priority passes for, I think, maybe a year or a year and a half before we had ever even stepped foot in a lounge. And then we finally we got to the airport like early one time and I was like, oh, you know what? Let me try to find a priority pass. And I was shocked at what I had been missing. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much every trip you go, you get get a bottle of water, you get a snack to eat. We would easily spend, you know, 50 to $75 just on airplane food, just, just before we even touch a plane. So to now go to, well, we can go into the lounge, we can get drinks, we can get a couple snacks at no extra cost as just a extra benefit for my credit card. That was extremely eye opening for us. And also getting, finally getting our TSA pre, we were waiting in the line with with everyone else for a long time before I finally made my appointment and and got that going. So those were the first times I really understood, wow, having these credit cards, like, yes, not only do I get to travel for free, but I can also travel with a lot of convenience too. So that really started opening my eyes and mind to, you know, some of the things I had at my disposal. I often tell people the exact same thing about lounge access, um, especially because it usually only comes with more premium cards where you have a higher annual fee. And I'm I'm always telling them, you know, exactly what you said. If you're flying three or four times a year, you're going to spend 50 or 60 bucks just in like food and drinks at the airport. It can very quickly and easily make up for itself. Very easily. More than pay for itself. Yeah. Even even like lounges that aren't as nice you know it's like well you're still usually getting some some small snacks some drinks and a quiet place to sit with wi-fi usually yeah i also as you mentioned that that reminds me of my own journey as well particularly the pre-check part and i want to quickly mention that a lot of what i went through and what we see our readers go through with with finding these type of aha moments is just getting past kind of like self-limiting beliefs like i would always see people kind of skip the security line with one perk or another and it just never really occurred to me like, hey, how do I become one of those people? I just kind of assume like, that's not for me. Same with like walking through first class cabins. That looks nice, but I'm, that's just not even on my radar as something that I can even obtain. So there, you just have this kind of mental block. And then the moment you get to a point where you're like, wait a second, that is doable. So what else is doable? It starts to kind of uh, a domino effect of, of learning in this hobby. So you, you'd mentioned the pre-check in the lounges. And, and I guess I wanted to ask, was that two and three or, or is there another aha moment that you recall? The last one was actually taking that first class flight and seeing just another level of, of luxury, another level of service. That was, so that, that's, that sent me like that experience. Like I was already kind of getting into the weeds of points and miles, but that experience just changed the game up. That completely revolutionized my whole idea and thoughts about traveling. Like you can fly 14 to 20 hours in a plane and wish the flight was longer. Like to have that as a concept to me is mind blowing. (laughs) Yeah. The only people in the plane who are sad when they hear, hey, we're, you know, starting our descent. No, (laughs) (laughs) please go around again. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. At some point, at some point in this podcast too, I want to talk about our first connection, you and I, and, and looking for that. And how serious you were about like, no, this is the exact thing I want, how much effort you put into that. So we'll get to that in just a moment. But I did want to ask about uh, the, the journey with like your, your wife kind of coming on the board of Points and Miles. One of the most common issues we see with people who are getting started here is what we call a skeptical player two or skeptical P2. 
which is a natural situation, right? You find something, you find points and miles, and then you approach your partner and you're like, hey, I found this group of people on the internet who feels a little bit like a cult. And they're telling me all these things that are counterintuitive to everything you've learned about credit cards and credit. And they're making promises that sound completely outlandish, but I'm going to give it a shot. And you know, of course, most people in that partner seat are like, what? Like, no, this, is, this sounds crazy. Could you kind of tell us about uh, how that process went with your player two, your wife, any concerns that she had and, and what you were able to do to, to get her on board? Well, I was very blessed with a incredibly willing player two. The, the most of my issues uh, were just trying to get her to get a credit card at first because she was so scared to get a credit card. And I had to explain, you need to get a credit card to build credit. Like having no credit is exactly the same as bad credit, which sounds crazy to the untrained uh, ear, but it's a reality. Like you, you have to have credit. Otherwise, a lot of things in your life are going to be more difficult and more expensive. Once she got over that initial hurdle and also just saw the work that I was putting into to educate myself and to make sure that my ducks were in a row regarding my endeavors in points and miles, there was, it was a lot easier to build that trust. That being said, I understand that is not, that isn't the reality for, for other couples where there has to be a little bit of convincing. But I think the work does speak for itself. Even if you have to do the long game and show them a free economy flight or two before you can start doubling up on the points, then so be it. I don't think anybody's going to argue, say, hey, this trip that I just booked for, for us or the family was paid for all on points. I just put these taxes and fees, this minimal cost, and here we go. The proof speaks for itself. I've got kind of a, a real question here. I mean, not that any of these are fake questions, but, uh, you know, coming from someone who who started off with uh, having to repair your credit to get started, like what were your emotions, feelings, apprehensions, you know, kind of having gone through that journey of I've gotten my credit to a good point. Is this going to going to ruin it? You know, is that this going to backtrack all that hard work that I did? I've ruined my credit two different times. So prior to stumbling into points and miles, I had already improved my credit from a terrible spot and gotten it into the 700s and then ruined it to then that's when I repaired it the second time. So I already had the knowledge that by getting more credit cards is going to end up improving my score in the long run, just because when you only have one card and have a positive payment history, it's a lot better to have three or five cards providing that positive payment history every month. So I didn't have any fear that it was going to ruin my credit. Most of my fear and apprehension was, am I even going to be able to be approved because of the things on my credit history? Well, and it sounds like you you kind of have learned through experience, really, that your credit score is something you can fix. Absolutely. It's totally, totally fixable. And I just want to like commend you for how admirable it is to not only like have done that, but to, you know, be willing to come on this podcast and talk with us and be so open about it. I think it's really good for people to hear your story and see the journey that so many people might be going through who might think that this is out of reach for them because of their credit score. And you are like living proof that with the effort that you can do it. And I just want to like be sure to take the time to acknowledge that. Thank you. Thank you. Because yep. 
I would just want to add, like, to be honest, like even when I first started, I didn't know where it was going to end up. But I think it'll be good for people to hear that, you know, because I'm sure there are, there are other people who just had some different issues in the past and you mess up your credit. But like to hear that, no, it'll be fine. Like, just give it some time, play the long game. And if I, who have ruined my credit twice, can come back and now I don't even have the butterflies when I put in a, an application, I'm expecting an instant approval. And it took a long time to build up that confidence. But if I can get to that, then certainly anybody else can. Yeah. And we, we talked about kind of your aha moments in the hobby. And I wanted to share one of one of that I had real quick on credit scores. Everything changed for me when I realized that your credit score is a, a grade or a measure of how well you use credit or have used credit. And it is not an indicator of financial health. These things are very different. Most people just kind of assume, okay, if I do something responsible from a financial perspective, that's good for my score, right? I I don't use credit. I don't take out a loan. I get a raise at work. Any of those things. None of those have any impact on your credit score. It's just a measure of how well you've used credit in the past. The more you use it responsibly, the better your score. So we're gonna we're gonna go uh, specifically into some more stuff on credit score. But first, I wanted to ask another one of my favorite questions: What mistakes did you make along the way, kind of in, in your learning process of points and miles? Anything that you would do differently right off the bat? And, and Travis, I'm going to ask you that right after Levon, and I'm going to answer it too. So be thinking about it. But I'm curious, Levon, if, if anything comes to mind there. There's a couple really big ones that stick out to me. So I booked a trip on points to Portugal uh, for me and my wife. And it, it was I booked it like right before the pandemic hit. So obviously we canceled the flight because we weren't able to travel. It didn't make sense to travel at that time. So we had a travel credit of, I believe, about $350 each. And I let those, I let that travel credit expire. So that was essentially 70,000 points that are just in the wind that, that are just gone. So that was a complete waste of valuable points that I could have used for something else. What else did I do that was really bad? There's at least one other one. Maybe while you're, while you're thinking of it, Travis, anything come to mind for you? What would I do differently? I would slow down. I think when I started off, I dove in headfirst and while it, it worked out fine, I think slowing down would have given me a little bit more time to to get to that point where the puzzle is starting to reveal itself. Slowing down would have given me more time to make more educated decisions. I opened up some cards that may not have been optimal, and I do think that, you know, Trying to make the optimal decision in an opening card sometimes can cause too much apprehension and cause you to like kind of be paralyzed and not make a choice. But I definitely like jumped right in super hard from the from the very beginning. And I really find, you know, slowing down like there's there's nothing special about me. I'll follow the 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 same advice that everyone gets. Everyone feels like they that their case might be unique or special and they want some specific advice just for them. And while we're happy to provide that for 99% of people, the the path from the start is is exactly the same. And I thought I was that that 1%. Most do. Yeah. Travis to you and to everyone listening in that situation, know that you are special, but your strategy <laughs> is not. Your strategy should be the same as pretty much everyone starting out. Yeah, for me, and I guess I'll, I first want to mention that there is an article on the 10X Travel site uh, that interviews our entire writing staff of like, what is the biggest points and miles mistake you've ever made? So we'll link that in the show notes. Mine, I once transferred 110,000 points from Chase Altner Awards to Southwest because I thought I would earn a companion pass. 
And so I did it and I like had trips waiting to add a companion and like a couple weeks go by and I'm like, hmm, it's taking a while for them to kind of post this. I contact Southwest and I'm like, yo, where's my companion fast? And they're like, yeah, those, those don't count toward me in companion fast. I'm like, ah. <laughs> so yeah, we all, we all make mistakes. Uh, I wanted to swing it back to Levana. Did anything else come to mind for you? Like mistakes you made earlier, things you had done differently? This is very similar to Travis. I had opened up a couple cards that looking back, those should have been some ink applications or just a different route. So that, that, that was pretty much it. And just booking trips through the travel portal and taking too long to go through the course. That was probably my biggest mistake. Gotcha. Th- thank you for that. <laughs> um, so moving on to kind of the credit score, and I know we've kind of, we talked about aspects of this, but I wanted to, to zoom in on it real quick because this is something we see a lot of folks uh, encounter as a barrier getting into this hobby. You know, you'd mentioned earlier that you were doing a lot of work educating yourself on preparing your own credit score. Are there any particular resources that you found that were helpful, steps that you took that were super impactful? You know, what did that process kind of look like for you, Levon? So part of the, the reason my credit score wasn't the position that would, that it was in was just due to some debt. So just, you know, making sure I had a fully locked in budget to take down that debt in a meaningful time frame in order to get my credit score improved that was certainly step number 1 and number 2 was just strategically getting new lines of credit so that I can slowly build upon you know what I already had get some more positive payment history and more a more favorable utilization so just getting that capital one card and getting a chase freedom i believe there was probably at least one other card along the way just to give myself a better foundation so those were the steps that that took that really, you know, helped me to to rebuild. What what advice would you give to someone else who's listening to this, you know, not confident in their credit or have had credit issues in the past, they want to kind of follow the same path that you followed? Anything to say to them? One that is possible, have a plan. If you have if you have a plan like that is already probably 60% of the battle and then it's just following the plan. Attack your debt if it means going out a little bit less, if it means sacrificing a little bit more. You got to pick which one do you want more. Do you want to improve your credit and be able to unlock some really great benefits on the other side? Or do you want to, you know, that extra dinner a week? Maybe if you cut back on that, you can pay down your debt a little bit faster. So it's just about having that plan and then executing upon it. And and once you do those two things, like the sky is the limit, pun intended. Yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds to me, Levon, like, the approach you took was like understanding your credit and understanding what impacts it, then finding what is going on with your situation that's causing the negative impact and then addressing that and resolving it. Uh, is that correct? Perfectly correct. Yeah. I, 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 I think a lot of people look at credit as this void where they don't know what's, what's going on or how, how to do it. And with, Taking the 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 time, especially with the abundance of resources out there, to to first like learn how your credit works. Cause once you know how it works, you realize it's pretty easy. You can find what what's going on to cause your credit to be lower, and then you can make a plan just like you did to fix that. I would just add that like you can fully manipulate it. And will it will it take a while? Sometimes, yes. It it could take a year, it could take a year and a half but everything is able to be manipulated and be- become advantageous to your favor. Absolutely. And, and for those who find themselves in that situation, I also want to quickly mention that we at Tenex Travel do have free resources to help you. Our main course has a credit section appendix, if you will, 
that kind of just boils all things credit down into simple, plain speak with instructions and steps to follow. Or for those that might have a more complicated credit repair situation going on, we do have a free course that specifically guides you through credit repair, helps you identify what your issues are, word for word scripts to use and steps to follow to help repair it. So if you're sitting there thinking, hey, I need to repair my credit first before I get started with 10X Travel or Points and Miles, please know we thought of that and that resource is available to you. Credit score stuff aside, because that's not the sexiest topic we talk about, travel is. I want to move into talking about your trips. I'm particularly interested to hear about the trip to Japan. Uh, a couple others you mentioned here as well. But let's start there if we could. Can you tell us, how did you book your trip to, to Tokyo? All right. So I was sitting on a pretty decent stash of American Express points. And I was just, I spent a couple of weeks trying to figure out, okay, what are the best redemptions that I could take, you know, with, with what I have available? And everything just kept leading me back to, to the suite. That redemption, it's, it's been since devalued a bit. But even post-evaluation, I still consider it as one of the best redemptions that you can take with uh, with Amex points, or with, with any points, really. But it was 110,000 points for ANA First Class. So I transferred my Amex points over to Virgin Atlantic. I did first have to search on United. United for Star Alliance, I find to definitely be the best search tool just to kind of figure out what award space is out there. So found the award space on United and then sent my Amex points over to Virgin Atlantic. And you have to call to book it in. But their customer service is actually pretty good. I don't think I was on hold for, for more than 10 minutes. Um, whereas other companies, it could be 30 minutes. It could be two hours. Yeah, but they got on the phone pretty quickly and were able to button that up. I think we had both my wife's and my tickets booked within about an hour of when I had found that award space. Wow. And to confirm, you mentioned 110,000 points. Was that, was that the round trip price? That was the round trip price. Whereas Fantastic. first class in some other carriers, that could be one way. Yeah. If, if you're lucky, really. Yeah. It's like, it's such a, that's such a great find. And yeah. And I want to echo what you mentioned about the customer service. It's almost fun uh, to call Virgin Atlantic. Like they're, their reps are very like engaging and knowledgeable and they pick up quick and they, they just know their stuff. So shout out to, to Virgin Atlantic. So that's one of the best bookings that you can do with points and miles. As I kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast, I, I did want to uh, share the story though of the first time that we actually talked in real time. We had, we had a consult and it was on this exact topic. I guess I want to ask, do, do you want to kind of tell that story? Do you, or would you rather that I share my perspective of it? Cause that was, interesting and fun. And I was so excited that that was a layer to this story. I would certainly chime in. I'll tell my perspective and I'd love to hear you know the perspective from your side as well after. But I had already kind of honed in like, okay, this is, this is the redemption that I think that I'm ready to like use a bunch of points on. And I'm trying to find this award space. And first of all, this is my first award search. And of course, it's the most difficult one. And I am just smacking my head against the wall. There is nothing coming up. At this point, I'm almost kind of like, is this all? It, it really kind of shook me because I'm like, there's there's no possible way to book this flight. What am I doing wrong? So I signed up for the, the award booking or like signed up to be an insider and which comes with a, a free consult. So I figured, okay, let me do a consult. You know, maybe I can get some guidance, figure out where I'm going wrong. What are the pitfalls? And then I can figure out what's going on. And I realized because I was only looking from my home airport, like the, the concept of, 
okay, if there's a really great flight experience that I want, you know, I, I may have to just fly to a different airport. So the whole concept of a positioning flight, you brought that to my attention. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, it's no big deal to fly to Chicago and then, and then fly, fly to Tokyo or, you know, San Francisco or whatever. So, so that opened up my options because instead of just searching from JFK, now I can search from ORD, I can search from SFO, I can search from, you know, so that, 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 that like exponentially opened up my options. So that was a huge, huge eye opener and kind of gave me faith in the system again, because I'm like, okay, if I'm not finding anything JFK, there's other things that I can do to find that award space. Yeah. And do you, do you recall which airport you ended up finding like for the outbound and the return? Uh, San Francisco, which was, was good because that the San Francisco route might've since or is changing, but that one you're guaranteed to be flying on the updated flight models, which if you're going to try to get a really good experience, I'm pretty sure you're going to want the room or the suite rather than their older plane model. Travis can certainly tell you about those and and I'll let you do that in a minute. Uh, First, I want to add my perspective of our consult, because it's it's one of the few ones I've had that's just incredibly memorable. And I immediately told the staff about it. You mentioned the word honed in. I was honed in what I wanted. And boy, if anyone was ever honed in on anything, you were honed in on wanting this. For these reader consults, you know, we usually get notes ahead of time. Like here's here are the type of things that you know we want to cover. It's usually wide ranging, right? It's all these questions about cards and points and scores and everything, and it kind of goes everywhere. For yours, it was just I have Amex points and I want to book A and A first class. It was just like that is what I want. And I remember hopping on the call with you and just straight straight to business matter of fact. It was just this is what I want. Like how do I do this? We kind of talked it through, and eventually we got to a point where you know, repositioning kind of came on the table. And, and I think I recall uh, us us kind of dividing and conquering. It was like, okay, I'll start from the West Coast and I'll start searching airports east, you know, moving east. And I was like, oh, I'll start from the east and I'll start moving west. And we just kind of just sat there looking at each other on the call, each searching airports. But okay, nothing out of Boston. Okay, nothing out of Chicago. Okay, here's Houston. They have one date here. And and I, I just, I was struck by how like particularly were about wanting that, how motivated you were to make that happen. And when I saw that it, that it did happen, I, I was, I immediately recalled that consult and I was so excited that it worked out. So anyway, you got the great product. Travis has some experience there. Travis, yeah. uh, A&A, what's on we'll, your mind? We'll get to that, but I, 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 I want to be a, a real broken record on this episode, apparently that I love this as like continuing that analogy of the puzzle, like, Levon had the knowledge of, okay, I want to transfer my points. I want to fly ANA first class. The best way to do that is Virgin Atlantic. Before I do that, I need to find the availability. And that's a lot of information. Like you had a lot of the puzzle, but there were still, like you said, some missing pieces, the idea of a repositioning flight. And it's just to, to, to show how it's a continuous learning experience. You're always learning more. And even when you, do you think you have a, a good grasp, which you definitely did? Like there's still more that that you can learn to really enhance your points and miles abilities. Absolutely. I wanted to ask, how like, how was the flight? Like you, you did this incredible points booking. I guess two questions here, and this is maybe my favorite part of the hobby. One, do you remember how it felt like when you booked it, when you told your wife we're doing this, like when it actually happened? How did that feel? And then how was the actual flight itself? Vividly. So this is one of those like memories that I'll remember, I'll be telling my kids about when I'm 80. <laughs> now, so we, me and my wife, we work together at the same nursing home. So we take turns. Typically, she'll drive to work or I'll drive to work and then the other person drives home. So I was supposed to drive home 
but I had just like, you know, I was randomly doing searches and I was like, I'm seeing like wide open availability. There were some days where there were five seats open in first class. Meanwhile, there's only eight first class seats available. So to have five seats open, they just dumped the mother load of award availability. I said, my wife's name is Irene. Irene, you have to drive home. I'm about to book us first class tickets to Japan. Don't distract me. Like I'm about to get on the phone. Just please drive home. <laughs> it'll, it'll be worth it. She was complaining because she hates, we both hate driving. But I said, please just do this. It'll be worth it. So she's driving home. I'm like trying to double check and confirm, like, is this award availability that I'm seeing real? I'm, I get on the phone of Virgin Atlantic. And so she finds the flight. So literally our drive home is about a half hour. That whole drive home, I'm verifying, I'm on the phone. But then by the time I got home, I saw it on the computer as well. I locked in on the dates that kind of made sense because I'm like, okay, cherry blossom season and then golden week. But I found some dates that made sense, found some dates where it seemed like we would be able to get the suite. And so then, then I booked it. I just remember feeling super scared because I'd never transferred points and I'm transferring over 220,000 of our hard earned points. Also I have to pay some taxes and fees. But I'm like, okay, but if this all gets the experience that I had been like reading about and watching videos about, it'll all be worth it. So I was super ecstatic. I just felt so light and ready. I emailed Bryce because I, I knew he, we had tried so hard on that console to find the award space. So I just remember just being so excited and so happy. And that trip literally changed my life. So it all worked out. It all worked out. That's awesome. Can you tell us about like the actual flight? You mentioned that you'd, you'd kind of read up or watched videos on it before you took the flight. Did it meet expectations? You know, what were some of the best parts? What can people kind of expect to, who want to copy this uh, strategy? So first of all, I had watched probably no less than five to 10 videos, just various different creators showcasing their perspective on the fly and everything. So I had really high expectations and it exceeded them so shockingly like the level of service that ana has i had never experienced anything like that like they're super pleasant super kind super warm they'll have conversations with you the food tasted phenomenal and it was an overnight flight so come to find out that their overnight flights the meal catering isn't even as extensive as it is on, on other flights but it was still amazing even with the limited options that we had like some of the best food I ever had was on was on a plane flying over to Tokyo. So that was great. <laughs> the actually getting into a lie flat seat with all the space that I had, it was like nothing, nothing can 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 top it. Like, although I do have some great trips that I think probably will, but that was just such an amazing eye-opening experience. All of it. The food, service, the the design of the plane, the amenity kit, all of it. I mean, if if it doesn't top it, it's a it's a great experience. I have not had the fortune of flying ANA first class. I had a a trip booked for March of 2020, cherry blossom season, and was so excited. Had to cancel, and of course, I'm seeing pictures in Kyoto that it's just empty. I was like, oh, it would have been such a perfect like Japan. Literally closed down the day after we would have gotten back. Um, but just in anticipation, we canceled it. Um, but I have gotten the pleasure of flying ANA's the 
room is the the new business class and that same excitement mine was totally unplanned actually so i had booked a discounted fare to indonesia on ana through chicago but it was the old plane and i was like this is fine cuz it was i think like $1500 round trip in business class in the old one cuz they weren't flying the new one to chicago yet and we we get to chicago we're at the boarding gate and they come on and make an announcement and call me to the front desk. And I go up to the agent's desk and she's like, Mr. Cormier, I just want to verify with you. Unfortunately, due to a maintenance issue, we had to get a different airplane and your new seat is facing backwards, which the old business class, all of the seats face forward. The new one, they alternate. So I'm about to board and I'm learning that I'm getting the brand new business class the first time it's flying out of Chicago. And uh, then on my return, my flight got canceled and I got rebooked onto the new one to, to New York. So on a trip where I wasn't expecting it at all, I got to fly it both ways. And I can only imagine what that first class is like because it is by far my favorite business class that I've ever flown. From the seat to, like you said, the service, the food is incredible on ANA. It's just truly spectacular. And I am so envious. I have been eyeing flying even the old first class just for the quality of the service, but really seeing that first class, you know, because I had the seat right behind it. I'm peek, peeking my head <laughs> in, seeing it. Oh, it, it looks spectacular. Maybe that's why they have you face backwards so you don't have to just look with envy <laughs> the entire flight. <laughs> no, but the, the ANA first class, the sweet cabin is definitely one of the most visually stunning cabins. That TV screen that they have is probably the best in the industry. I don't think anybody has yep. anything even close. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Really, ANA first is a consensus top three, I'd say, commercial airline product in the sky, especially the new, the new stuff they have rolling out. It's incredible. I've flown it once, ironically, out of Houston, Travis. So let me know if you need help finding availability from your hometown. Uh, I love that product. So, so we talked about the flight. Uh, can you tell us about your, your hotel stays in Japan and, and where you went? What did you do? Like, what did you think of Japan in general? So Japan was just amazing, but uh, I'll go in order. So we also went with two of our friends, uh, another couple. And so most of our time there was in Air Airbnbs so that it could fit all of us. But they left a day uh, earlier than us. So then we did book a stay at the Conrad Hotel in, um, in downtown Tokyo for the stay that we were doing by ourselves. And typically, like up until that point, I had mostly been doing Airbnbs. And for our domestic travel, we would stay in hotels, but I had never done an international hotel. And the level of service at the Conrad was so amazing. So, so amazing. From the moment you step in, there is just a completely different and higher level of service. So that, that's some of the, those are the two, one of the key takeaways that I got from the Japan trip is just the level of service that exists above the one that I had been getting my whole life. And it was amazing. Their hotel breakfast was like, it's like four different stations of different things that you can get. And then of course you can still sit down and order as well. Their in-house um, dining restaurant was amazing. If I remember right, it's called the Blue Moon. And the service from the wait staff was amazing. The food was amazing. The view was amazing. Um, we were overlooking, I forget the name 
of that like garden or park, but it's essentially Tokyo's version of Central Park. So you're like overlooking this amazing looking park as well. What else am I missing? Think you announced me? Yeah, just you're just missing my my envy. That's all. Yeah, my my jaw hanging down and wondering when I can go back to Japan. That's what we're missing. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about what else you did? Like in in Japan, did you go outside of Tokyo? Did you do any activities or yes. excursions that you particularly liked? So we stayed in a couple different cities. I had about I think it was eight days. I had about eight days at our disposable disposal for for me and my wife to take off. So we tried to cram as much of Japan. And being realistic because you don't want to be traveling every day, but we tried to do as much as we could with the time we had. So we stayed in Tokyo. We also went to Osaka. We spent a day in Kyoto and we also stay in Fujinomiya, which is a prefecture located around Mount Fuji. And that was an incredible experience as well, too. The only other mountain that I've been to before Mount Fuji was Bear Mountain in upstate New York, which is nice, but the, the left smaller. <laughs> just, just a little, just a little bit smaller. So seeing a, a mountain of that magnitude was visually stunning. And your background, looking at it in the background, it looks like a painting. And even just that experience, and like, I, I could understand, like, when you see artists and they draw certain things, and the reason they get this inspiration is because there are some really beautiful viewpoint, viewpoints out in nature and across the globe. And the Mount Fuji backdrop is certainly one of them. So seeing that was very, was, was amazing. I did street cart racing in Osaka, which was incredibly fun because you're driving through downtown Osaka, which is incredibly populated. So you're getting energy from the whole streets are crowded and you're just driving down. Everybody's looking at you, cheering and clapping. I'm high-fiving people as I'm driving past and at the stoplight. That was so fun. We did. Was this, a- were you dressed as like Mario characters? Was it one of those? Yes. So yep. they, they yeah, had all those sorts, are awesome. They had, they had all sorts of different costumes. I chose a Pikachu one because I love Pokemon as a kid. And why not? Why not go to Tokyo, go to Japan and dress up as Pikachu and drive through the streets? So that, that was an awesome time as well, too. I don't know why I said I would come on here with Bryce. All this is making me do is like want to get that Japan trip rebooked. I mean, your itinerary was basically mine to a T, except I, I didn't do a half a second, like had Mount Fuji, like staying there, looking out at the mountain, everything. I'm just, I'm happy for you. <laughs> you should definitely be. And you, that you really trip. hit all the highlights. Yeah. And yeah, you did it well. It's like when I went to Japan, I've been once, I did a very similar itinerary. We also did the, the Mario Kart driving. And I, I actually have a picture on my fridge from that experience. I, I don't know why it's just been there for years, but now I have a six-year-old daughter who loves the Mario movie. And she just noticed that picture a couple weeks ago for the first time. She's like, oh, daddy, you have to take me to do that. So now it, as if I didn't want to go back to Japan enough. And now after talking with you, like I have to go back and do that. So that was fantastic. And, and props for choosing Pikachu. We'll, we'll share that picture in the show notes. That was the first thing I saw when I opened your post. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Japan, I I can't recommend it enough. And one thing I didn't touch on, one of the other things that was just so mind-blowing and and made travel, just took travel to a different level to me, was just coming into contact with the Japanese culture and just seeing their way of doing things, how they treat people, and just the different people that I met. We actually, (laughs) it's a funny story. We actually hitchhiked. We were running late to, we booked a, a tea ceremony. And we were running late because sometimes in Japan, taking the trains, you can get lost. 
and we got lost and we were going to be incredibly late and we stopped the gentleman and he took us all the way over to where we were trying to get to. It wasn't a far drive, <laughs> but the fact that he he took us there and we tried to offer him money and, you know, for, for doing that for us, he wouldn't accept it. It was just so many different like little memories, so many people that I talked with that really, really just made that Japan trip for me outside of the experiences and the first class and level of service, just come into contact with so many different people was really great as well. So you, you absolutely nailed Japan. And I, I also want to ask about what, what other trips have you taken with points and miles that are particularly memorable or, or a highlight for you? I know you mentioned on the call so, or on the recording so far, I heard Peru, I heard Portugal. So can you tell us about some of your other kind of amazing points and miles trips and how they came to happen? Sure. So the first trip that I think I had booked with points was just an economy, an, an economy class trip to Turks and Caicos with my wife, which was one of our first inter, true international trips together. So that was great. Uh, the waters in Turks and Caicos are super beautiful. The people are so nice. The food is great. But uh, the the trip to Peru and I have another trip to Colombia booked as well. Those I booked just for cheap cash fares rather than use points. But some of the trips that I have upcoming, I have a trip to Africa in Q Suites for my wife's wow. birthday. I'm, she doesn't know the location yet, so I can't reveal that. In February, we're going on Singapore, Singapore business class from JFK to Singapore, one of the longest flights in the world. I haven't booked the return yet because I am nowhere near finished booking, finishing that trip. We plan to either go to Philippines or Vietnam or um, Thailand or a combination of all three. Not really sure yet. So we'll figure that out and I'll, we'll book the return flight closer. But then after that, we are going to go to Abu Dhabi to fly Etihad first class apartments to London. That's going to be a fun one. We had some real big pitfalls, but I'll, I should be able to figure that out. When I booked that flight, I gave my wife's information, gave my information, got two confirmation numbers. Only one came back. The, the rep unfortunately made a mistake. So we only have my ticket booked, but I'm hoping business class will open up closer in or we'll just pay cash in economy. It's only a seven hour flight. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but I have that booked and. That's to London. So then we're going to take British Airways club suites back home from London. And that's what I have booked now. And I'm looking to also book. I, I, honestly, I'm going to literally go through every top, every top business class, first class seat at some point in the next year to three years. We're, we're going to be in all of them. Sounds like you're already halfway through them with kind of what you yeah. have on there. Like I was thinking, like if we're playing like the bingo of like premium airfare to book with points. Levon's over there shouting bingo for the third time. He's just yeah. nailed it. <laughs> you got all of them. I also want to mention, be prepared for like the somewhat fun, but you know, inevitable social blowback from your wife's friends, partners, when it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, would you get your wife for her birthday? Oh, uh, you know, we're flying in Q suites to, uh, a pl- you know, to beep. How about you? <laughs> you know? So you might not be invited to the, the cocktail hours for a little bit, oh, but that's okay. Part of the hobby. <laughs> I, Etihad first class was my very first in, in the apartments was my, well, I guess technically second first long haul first class experience because I had to make a connection in London um, and flying American Airlines first class there. But the apartments super, super high on my list. Plus, uh, I have to point out that that means unless Matt, who is not on today's episode, has some alternative travel plans, you will get to take a shower on an airplane beforehand. <laughs> it's a little bit of an inside joke we have with poor Matt. 
uh, <laughs> he's not to here Matt to defend himself, to but he's going to listen to this. So shout out, Matt, he's, you're going to text us right after you hear this. So sorry about that. We'll make it happen soon. So you have a ton of amazing trips coming up and I'm, I'm just continually blown away by like the incredible acceleration of skill in this hobby. You're just, you're knocking out all the, the lifetime goals that a lot of points and miles folks have in a short period of time and you're doing it gracefully. So, so awesome job with that. Is there anything that's kind of on your points and miles bucket list or like, I, I'm still trying to go for this, this golden goal here. And, and you know, what, what does that look like for you? Certainly. Emirates game changer. And, and even, and even Emirates business class on the, on the A380 with the, with the bar, that, that's definitely something on the bucket list. Singapore first class with the double suites. I would love to do that with me and my wife, have that whole bed. Like that would be an incredible experience. Those are probably like my, my, my major ones. Admirable goals indeed. It's solid. I've now flown the new first class and the old on both the 777 and the A380. So I've got my own rankings there and good choices all around though. Nice. Which one do you prefer? I like the A380. I, I mean, the, the seat on the, the 777, the new seat was fantastic, but there were some service issues on my flight. Granted, it was in the middle of COVID trying not, you know, trying to give some, some, some grace there. But there were, there were definitely some kind of service letdowns on that flight um, versus when I flew the A380 and the older 777 had some fantastic crews. So I would not hesitate to fly any of them again. But I like the amenities on the A380. You've got the bar, you've got the shower suites. And I also kind of like a little bit more open cabin rather than feeling like I'm trapped in a very nicely sized closet. Um, <laughs> but uh, still, still a really, really impressive seat by, by all means. Absolutely. Yeah. I just remember it's first on the A380 myself with, with my family of five, actually we got really lucky with some upgrade space about a month ago. And yeah, that's, that's the best product I've ever flown, but I, Levon's about to blow past me with a, a bunch of other ones here in, in the, in the near future. So Killing it with points and miles, lots of trips. I wanted to kind of transition to, to the last phase that I wanted to ask you about. And that's kind of like your journey to becoming a teacher of points and miles. Like you mentioned that you're, you're already working on, on content uh, to, to share your story. I guess I'll, I'll tell everyone here on the podcast too. Levon actually works with 10X Travel. He's on our, our team that we call 10 Experts. Those are the folks that help with the inbound reader questions, trying to help make trips happen like Levon has taken and really learning process like Levon has taken. That happened right after I saw the post. I reached out. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like we need to have you help other people do this. We need to share your story. And we have, you know, big plans for continued collaboration with you. But I wanted to kind of ask, what do you, what are your plans for for sharing your story with content creation and points and miles? And, and where do you kind of want to see that go? I want to just be able to highlight like some of the the things that that I missed, you know, starting out. Like, you know, taking advantage of you know, your TSA pre and global entry credits, taking advantage of your lounge access and just the various little offers that can come up along the way. Like, you know, like right now there's a 30% transfer bonus from, uh, what is it? Is it, it's either Blue Bank or American Express over to, to Avios, 30% transfer yep. bonus. So just taking advantage of little things like that in order to really beef up your ability to redeem points for a lot of value and, and as well just to, also highlight some of these luxury cabins from my perspective, even before I had taken my own experience, I had, I had been watching on YouTube, various content creators, you know, luxury travels for a while. And, and I would like to put my own expanded perspective on that. Um, so that's the kind of, some of the kind of things that I, that I want to share, you know, with the public. 
Gotcha. How would you say that kind of this journey of points, miles, credit score, repair, all that, how would you say that's changed your perspective on, on travel, life, financial freedom? You know, what's di- most different about Levon today versus Levon two or three years ago? Two or three years ago, my idea of traveling was a vacation, typically four days, you know, whether that's Miami, Puerto Rico, somewhere in the Caribbean. And, you know, maybe every couple of years you go across the pond to Europe or, you know, you, you make it to the African continent or Asia. But those thoughts were, in my mind, 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, coming into contact with points and miles was able to just exponentially accelerate my ability to travel and the distance that I'm able to travel and the comfort at which I'm able to travel in. So all those things have just completely just reshaped the globe for me. Now, going to Paris or going to Singapore is not some far away, distant, imaginary thing. It's, okay, when do I want to go? And and it's, it's thanks to 10X, it's thanks to learning about points and miles that all that, that, that mindset is not possible for me. I love it. What, what do you hope that others are going to, will take away from listening to this podcast and hearing your story? If you put the time and energy in, if you have a plan of attack, if you listen to great advice, you can completely change up the way that you're able to travel. You know, whatever that means. You know, if that means a family vacation with your family of five or six and you're taking the kids to Disney or you want to take the kids to, to London or if you want to backpack through, through Asia or whatever it is, whatever you dreamed of, you can make possible by putting these things into place. I love it. I love it. We'll have your uh, social media handle shared here in the uh, show notes here so that people can continue to follow along this amazing journey. I know that I will be with much envy. It sounds like Travis will be as well, particularly with some of those high-end flights you have coming up. Yeah. We'll wrap up here in just a minute. Before we do that, just want to kind of openly ask, is there anything else, Levon, you wanted to share with the listeners today, other things to discuss before we kind of put a bow on this? I've said it a couple different times, but no matter where you are in your journey, whether you need to repair your credit, whether you have stellar credit, and now you're just looking to take advantage of your resources, whatever you are envisioning, whatever you're dreaming, it's possible. Take the course if you haven't, learn your transfer partners, run a couple of practice award searches, ask questions. That's something that I really wish that I had done when I'd started out. I wish I had reached out and did some consult, consult forms and got some of the, the answers that I give people, I wish I had asked those same questions and was able to get that advice because I would have been able to come to this point a lot sooner. So I would encourage everybody, do the course and use the resources that 10X has because it's really helpful and it can really kind of orient you to the right direction because from an uneducated perspective, you would think like, okay, going down a certain path may make more sense. Like, yeah, let's open up some Hyatt cards or some American airline cards. But if you don't get, you should get a, a stable, uh, uh, you know, a, car, a stash of flexible currency first, and you would actually be able to make your travel a lot easier that way. So just, just little things like that, where use the resources at your disposal and it'll make things a lot easier for you in the long run. Yeah. You, you mentioned that it is possible and I'd say you are proof like few other humans on the planet that it is possible and you're, and you're doing it well. And, and, you know, congrats again to you and doing just such an incredible job with points and miles. Your story is just so inspiring to hear. And, and I'm so glad that you had a chance to come on uh, the podcast here today. You know, for those of you who are, you want to start writing your own points and miles success story like Levon, 
as you mentioned, your best place to start is the free course at 10xtravel.com slash course. We'll also link that in the show notes. And be sure to check out the Facebook group, 10X Travel Insiders, to learn and engage with other readers like LeVon, ask those questions that he mentioned, and kind of accelerate your own learning process. Last, and certainly not least, check out our new web tool, My10X, which makes managing your points, miles, cards, all of it easy by bringing everything into one place. You can sign up today for free at my.10xtravel.com. Thank you for listening. LeVon, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and uh, we will talk to you again next time. Bye now.